This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. I'm excited about what I'm getting ready to share with you today um, as we conclude this series entitled The Year I See. You, you ready to get into it today? Anybody going to help me preach at all the campuses? Anybody going to help me preach? Come on, you know me. I like rowdy Christians. I like rowdy believers. I like you to get engaged. The quieter you are, the longer I'm going to go. So if I preach too long, you just got to get rowdy. You just got to get crazy. If you're getting hungry, you got to get loud, and I'll get the message, okay? So you're going to help me today? Amen. Y'all looking really, really good. Um, we're going to talk about God's enabling favor today. God's enabling favor today. If you've been with us since the beginning of the year, uh, we talked about that we believe that this is the year we're going to grow in favor. I've preached many messages on that. You can get caught up by listening to the podcast. In fact, we're wearing our wristbands at all of our campuses, just as a reminder about what's available to us this year. If you didn't get a wristband, go out in the lobbies. They have them available. We'd love for you to get your hands on one. And they're just a trigger and a reminder of what God is making available to us. You've got to, like my wife was saying, you've got to mix faith. You've got to release faith for it. God can provide it, but you have your part to play in it. One of the saddest verses in all the Bible is they say that the, the Bible says in Psalms that they limited God by not mixing faith with what God had promised. There was a whole generation that God made great promise to, but never experienced the great promise because they did not receive it and believe it. And my desire for you this year is God has made promise that we're going to grow in favor this year, but it won't happen automatically. It'll happen as you're believing it, as you're expecting it, and as you're declaring it. So get your wristbands and let's make sure that in 2018, we're going to grow in favor. Let's talk about God's enabling favor. I want to start with this statement today. It's this right here. God never starts something that he doesn't have the power to finish. God never starts something that he doesn't have the power to finish it. Is there anybody here today or any of our campuses that needs God to finish it? Well, you're in the right place. You're in the right place today. I'm going to begin here with Zechariah chapter 4. It's an Old Testament story that has a New Testament principle that we're going to talk about. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, it says, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Most of us, if you've been in church very long or raised in church, you know that particular verse. We usually quote it. We usually don't leave it in the context to understand what God was saying. So today I'm going to preach from this passage. The next verse goes on to say, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth a capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. And then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you, in verse 10, for who has despised the day of small things? I want to read verse 7 again. 
It says, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone, now catch this, with shouts of grace, grace to it. Um, I don't know if you realize it, but uh, grace is the very foundation of Christianity. It's what Christianity is all about. Uh, the word grace is found over 206 times throughout the Bible. It's a, it's a very important uh, concept truth, uh, principle. Many of the books, especially the epistles in the New Testament, uh, the letters to the church, uh, they begin with these words, grace be to you. Uh, The Bible talks about the riches of his grace. The Bible talks about the glory of his grace. Let me define it for you. The Bible defines grace this way, the undeserved, unearned favor of God towards man. It's powerful. The undeserved, unearned favor, hello, favor, favor of God towards man. Now, listen, at all the campuses, because we've been in this series talking about the favor of God, notice here, in the New Testament, the word grace and favor is interchangeable. Did you hear that? So when the Bible says favor, it's also saying grace. When the Bible says grace, it's also saying favor. So God's grace is God's favor showing up in your life, doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. Because the the, the definition of favor that we've given in this series is is that right there. God's showing up, doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. I'm going to give you four things real quick that talks about the four different types of grace I'm going to do this quickly because I don't want you to get confused. When the Bible talks about grace, uh, the Bible talks about four types of grace. Let me give you the first one. Number one, the Bible talks about saving grace. In Ephesians 2.8, it says, God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is the gift from God. In other words, you don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. Did you hear that? God's grace, God's grace is what saves you. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. It's the reason why we sang that song this, this, this today. You can't work for it. You just simply believe in Jesus. And the Bible says that God's grace, the moment you believe in Jesus, God's grace saves you. Uh, The second type of grace is this, justifying grace, justifying grace. Grace. In Romans 3.24, it says this, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. To be justified, this is powerful, means just as if I've never sinned before. That's powerful. That there is a grace that when you confess your sin, when you repent of your sin, in the eyes of God, God sees you justified, just as if you never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, ever, never, never, ever sin. Come on, do you love our God or what? Do you get that? I got to say that again. 
When you repent of your sin, you confess your sin, God forgives you of your sin. And in the eyes of God Almighty, he justifies you. He gives you justifying grace, which means when he looks at you, he looks at you just as if you never sinned before. How many of you are thank you, thankful for justifying grace? The third type of grace that the Bible talks about is teaching grace. We see that in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Notice, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly, worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Uh, the truth is, this is the missing message of God's grace in our modern-day culture. You see, when grace is functioning in your life, you're not trying to see how, how much you can sin, what you can get away with. When grace is actually in your life, it's teaching you to live a godly lifestyle. In other words, when God's grace is operating in your life, you want to be more like Jesus. You don't want to be more like the world. When God's grace is operating in your life, it empowers you to say no to ungodliness in this world. That is, that is teaching grace. Here's the last one, and we're going to focus on this today. Number four, enabling grace. Enabling grace. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. This is where Paul is dealing with, with opposition in his life. He calls it a thorn in his flesh. It's an irritation. It's a frustration. And he prays to God three different times that God would take this thorn away. The Bible's very clear about what the thorn is. It is the enemy that has come to oppose him, to keep him from experiencing what God had promised. Notice he prays, and this was God's answer to Paul's prayer in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. But his answer was, my grace is all you need, for my power is greatest when you are weak. Paul asked God to remove his problem, but God said to Paul, my grace will enable you to overcome and defeat your problem. This is called the enabling grace. A lot of times we want God to remove our problems, but God says, no, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to enable you to overcome your problems. In fact, God even invites us to pray for enabling grace. We see it in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, so let us keep on coming boldly to the throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. We're not going to God to remove our problems, but we're asking God, give me grace. Give me enabling grace that will help me in the time of my need. You need to understand there is God's enabling grace that will help you in life. Now, this is exactly, stay with me, this is exactly what Zerubbabel learned in our opening text when he was up against the opposition in his life. He learned about God's enabling grace. My prayer at all of our campuses today is that we would learn about God's enabling grace. Now, remember, when I say grace, I'm talking about God's favor. Grace is God's enabling favor in our lives. Now, let me give you the backstory, and then we're going to give you some principles, and we're going to send you on your way to your buffet. <laughs> Zerubbabel is coming back 
And the, the story we read at the beginning, Zerubbabel is coming back to his homeland after 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Seventy years earlier, their city had been reduced to, a, 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 to, to rubble by their enemies. And now he's coming back and he's leading a team back to their homeland to rebuild their city. And what he wants to do first is he wants to build the house of God. Uh, again, at that time, the Jerusalem had been reduced to rubble. They come back after 70 years of captivity, and he doesn't want to build the walls. He doesn't want to build their house. Uh, he wants to build. It's a team that's come back. They want to build the house of God. They want to build the temple. And so they begin to work on this God dream. The Bible says that they begin to lay the foundation of the temple, and once they get done with the foundation of the temple, the Bible says that, that, that a mountain rose up. The Bible tells us that that mountain was a mountain of problems. It was challenges. It was difficulties. In Zechariah 4-7, uh, the TV version, the voice version, says this, mountains of opposition. In Zechariah 4, 7, in the Amplified, it says, O great mountain of human obstacles. We're talking about enabling grace. Here is Rubble, who leads a team of God's people back to their city that had been reduced to rubble. And, and the first thing they want to do is not build their houses, and they don't want to build the walls of the city. They want to build the house of God. And so they start to build the house of God and they get the foundation laid and they get the foundation completed. And the Bible says that what rose up in their life is a mountain or a problem of human obstacles. Uh, what's interesting about this is you can see the same story in the book of Ezra that also documents what happened here. In fact, in the book of Ezra, it tells us that that there were two types of people that opposed the building of God's house, two types of people. It talks about the outside opposition. Here they are building the foundation, a mountain of obstacles, a mountain of a trouble rises up against them. The Bible says that, that first of all, it was, it was problems and trouble from outside people. These were people who were determined to, to shut down or stop the project. And what they begin to do, the Bible says, is they begin to harass Zerubbabel. They begin to threaten him. They begin to protest the project. They did everything they could to delay and hinder the building of God's house. Uh, you can read it there in Ezra. They filed lawsuits and petitions. They tried to try to stop it that way. They, they gave bribes to governmental officials to try to shut down the project that way. They even used squatters to overtake the property, camping out on the land and using squatters' rights. Now, now Zerubbabel is, is just overwhelmed by this mountain of opposition that's trying to keep him from building the house of God. He's overwhelmed. And uh, he's, 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 uh, he, he does everything he, he, he knows to do to try to finish the project. But the opposition is so great that finally the project comes to a stop. And then the Bible talks about not just the outside opposition, but it talks about the inside opposition. These were the Samaritans the Bible talks about. They were half, half Jews and half Gentiles. They represented people of a half heart. They, they wanted to build the house of God. Uh, they were just half-hearted about it. They were, they were negative 
people. This is what Zerubbabel had to deal with. He not only had outside people that were trying to stop the project uh, through legal means, but now there's inside people, people that want to build with you. They're just they're just half-hearted about it. They're just, they're just negative about the project. And, and they said, well, this is never going to be as good as it was when Solomon first built the temple years ago. Uh, these Samaritans uh, begin then to also talk about the good old days. Uh, we remember the way things used to be in the old temple, the, the, the good old days. This, this new generation, they just don't have it like the previous generation. It's just not the same. Hear me today, there's nothing worse than to try to fulfill God's dream with people who are half-hearted. Halfway in and halfway out, halfway committed, halfway praising, halfway serving, halfway giving, come on, halfway attending. And then they want to talk about the good old days. And the truth is those days, listen, are never as good as you remember them to be. Can I get a big amen? You were griping and complaining about those days too, if you remember. In fact, did you know the Bible cautions you about the good old days? Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, don't long for the good old days. That's what the Bible says because it's not a wise thing. Why? Because God has better days. While you're stuck on the good old days, God's got better days if you'll get with his, come on, if you'll get with his project. Come on, get with what God's doing. Yeah, but I don't like the music they sing, and I don't like the kind of church this is. No, but listen, God's got something new. Come on, God's, God's got something better. Let's get, let's get with the project. Let's start building what God wants to build. You can't relive yesterday, but you can experience a better tomorrow. And so he's got opposition from the outside, He's got opposition from the inside. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to make this point here. I didn't share this in the earlier service, but, but what kept God's people from entering the promised land was not the giants on the outside. It was, a, it was the 10 negative voices on the inside. They were saying, we can't do this. It'll never happen. I don't like this. God's not with, with us. Beware of those on the inside. Side. So, so Zerubbabel is facing opposition again. He's facing opposition to building God's house. He's, he's frustrated. He's overwhelmed with hopelessness. The project has actually been shut down. And all he's looking at is a foundation, an unfinished project. Not only has it stopped, but the Bible tells us, hear it, the Bible tells us that it stops for 16 long years. Wow. Has anyone ever felt like this? You started out, you had a dream, it started good, but now you're facing a mountain-sized problem, problems from the outside, problems from the inside, doubts from the inside. Well, I've come here today, and I'm shouting it loud and clear to all of our campuses. I'm here today to tell somebody, if God started it, God has the power to finish it. 
And if you're going to see the dream finish, if you're going to see that marriage finish, if you're going to see that family finish, if you're going to see those finances finish, there's going to be four things that you're going to need to do to see God finish the work in your life. And I'm going to give them, and they're right here from this passage. Here's number one. Are you ready at all the campuses? Here's number one. Four things needed in your life. Number one, understand that your dream requires God. Understand that your dream requires God. Zechariah 4.6 says this. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. You will not succeed by your own strength or by your own power, but by my spirit. Listen, you're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You don't have the ability to finish the dream in your life, your dream, your assignment in the earth requires God's help. If you're going to see it completed, you must understand that your dream requires God. Here's number two. Number two, the second thing that you're going to need is you must be willing to begin again. Maybe I scooted too quick over point number one. You do realize you're not smart enough, right? You, you do realize you've been flexing your muscles long enough. This is what God was saying to Zerubbabel. 16 long years, you, you're not smart enough. You don't have the ability. You, you, don't, you don't have the wits about you. It's going to be by my spirit. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. If we're going to see the completion of God's promises in our life, it's going to be not by our ability, not by our strength. It's going to be by God's power and his power alone. I feel better about point number one. Let's go to point number, point number two. Everybody say point number two. You must be willing to begin again. It was in this discouraging moment, 16 years of seeing an unfinished project that God tells Zerubbabel in verse 10, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin again. That's powerful. The Lord rejoices in the work to begin again. God is saying, I need you to keep fighting. God, God is saying, you can't quit. You can't stop. God is saying, don't get frustrated. It's just a small beginning. God is saying, here's what I need you to do, Zerubbabel. Here's what I need you to do, celebration. In the middle of the opposition, just begin again. Just start again, just, just reach again, just dream again. Come on, let's expect again. I know it's been tough. I know it's been some difficulty, but we're going we're gonna to pray again. We're going to praise again. Come on, we're going to believe God again. Come on, I need somebody to get rowdy. Somebody needs to help me. Lean over to your neighbor at all of our campuses. Tell somebody, you need to just begin again. Just tell them, begin again. Come on, this is our year where we're going to begin again. What, what are you going to do when you feel like it's, it's, it, there's no use? It's, it's not working anymore. God shows up and he says, begin again. You can't quit. You can't stop. You've got to believe. You've got to expect. You've got to believe that there's a miracle coming. I like what God said to Zerubbabel in verse 9. He says, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands shall also finish it. You know what God is saying there? God says, I used his hands to start the work, and I will use his hands to complete 
the work. And God is saying that over you today at all of our campuses. God used your hands to start it. And if you'll begin again, God will use your hands to complete the work. Somebody shout yes. I think what God is saying here is it's time to give God your hands again and watch him finish the work. Here's the third thing that you need to do is you must speak to your mountain. Not only do you need God involved, not only do you need to be willing to begin again, but you're going to have to start speaking to your mountain. Now, notice what I didn't say. It didn't say talk to your mountain. It didn't talk about your problems. No, it said speak to your mountain. In fact, notice here in Zechariah 4, 7, this is what we, we read. It says, who are you, almighty mountain of opposition? Do you see that? He's talking to his mountain. Notice what he says. You will become nothing more than a smooth plain. That's awesome. He's, see, see, we were so used to talking about our, oh, it's so tough. Oh, life is so miserable. Oh, nothing good ever happens to me. Oh, you whiner. The Bible doesn't tell you to talk about your problem. It says to talk to your problem. Tell your problem exactly the future it has with you. He says, he says, who are you, almighty mountain of oppression? You will become, that's what you need to say to your problem. That's what you need to say to your mountain. You need to say, you'll become nothing more than a smooth plain. I'm here to tell somebody this year in 2018 that things are getting ready to smooth out. Come on, finances getting ready to smooth out. Relationships getting ready to smooth out. Come on, somebody shout smooth out. You quit talking about your problems and start speaking to your problem. I like the message translation of this. It says, so big, so, message translation says, so big mountain, who do you think you are? You're nothing but a mole hill. God says, this, 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 this dream's going to require me. You're going to have to be willing to begin again. The third thing is you're going to have to start talking to your mountain. This, this, is, this is a New Testament principle. Even Jesus himself in his ministry said in Mark eleven twenty three, I, Jesus, say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says we are supposed to we are supposed to speak to those things that rise up against us to stop us to defeat us and to de- and and to hinder us we are to speak to those problems and tell them you will no longer stand in my way come on you need to speak to your mountain you need to speak to your mountain come on are you getting this four four things needed Come on, you're going to have to get God involved. You're going to have to be willing to begin again. You're going to have to speak to that mountain and tell it exactly what kind of future it has in your life. And here's the fourth thing. Here's what we're going to speak right here. Number four, release God's favor. Release God's favor. In other words, you could say it this way. Speak God's favor. In Zechariah 4, 7, it says this. It says, bring out the capstone with shouts of grace grace to it. Now listen, celebration to all of our campuses. This is the last and final point, but it's the, it's the whole purpose of the message. I believe there's a promise here that, that, that God is giving us that's going to change 2018. And, and my prayer is that you don't miss this. God says, if you're going to see this thing finish, I'm going to have to get involved. You're going to have to be willing to begin again. And 
you're going to have to start speaking to that mountain-sized problem. And here's what I need you to do. Uh, I need you to take that capstone, and I need you to shout, grace, grace to it. Let me read this out of another translation, the living version, so that you're really connecting. When we say grace, we're saying favor. It says, Zechariah 4, 7, it says, then he will bring out the top stone and call out, may God give it favor. Wow. Now, now some of us got lost in all that language. It's like, what is a capstone? You know, some translation says a, a headstone, but a, a capstone in that day is, is the final stone. It represents the completion of a project. Catch that. It's, it's kind of like the cutting of, of a ribbon ceremony that we do today. It's, it, it's celebrating the completion of a project. And so remember, 16 years has gone by. We don't have a, the house of God. We just got a foundation. We don't have walls. We don't have roofs. We, we just got a foundation and 16 years has gone by and the opposition has opposed the building building and God says, okay, we're, we're going to see this dream come to pass. And God says, here's what I need you to do. I got to get back involved. You got you to believe again. You got to speak to the mountain. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to get, go get the capstone and bring it out and set it on the foundation. Glory to God. What's the capstone? It represents the, it's the last thing you do in a completed building. It's the ribbon cutting. This is absolutely crazy. They still have walls to put on. They still have a roof to put on. But I need you to go get that, that stone that represents the completion. Well, he's frustrated. He feels, he feels hopeless. It's an unfinished project. He's, he's got opposition from the outside. He's got opposition from the inside and he's, got 16 years of, of a journey. He's got 16 years of an unfinished project that God says, that's okay. Get the capstone that represents a finished building. Can, can I just make sure you understand the type here? The, the type is Jesus. The capstone is, is Jesus. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected. Throughout the New Testament, it tells us that, that Jesus is the one that's going to complete the work in your life. In fact, it says in, in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the... In Philippians 1, verse 6, it says, He who begun a good work in you will... When he died upon the cross, the Bible says his last words were said, It is. And so God says, there's Zerubbabel, in this unfinished project, this unfinished dream... You go get that which represents a completed project. You go get Jesus and you set it right down there. And then you back up. And then you shout, grace, grace. You shout, favor, <laughs> favor. Come on, we're not talking about saving grace. We're not talking about justifying grace. We're not talking about teaching grace. We're talking about enabling grace, a grace that can show up and do for you what you cannot do for yourself. God is insurmountable. You're not going to do this by your own strength. You're not going to do this by might. You're not going to do this by your own ability, by your own power. It's going to it's going to require my enabling grace. It's going it's going to require my favor to come upon your life that will enable you to do what I've called you to do. Now, here's what's interesting. The, the Bible says that in the book of Ezra, are you with me? 
the Bible says in the book of Ezra and Zechariah, if you read it all together, when he does this, when he shouts grace, grace, when he shouts favor, favor, with the stone on the foundation that represented a completed project, the Bible says that the people begin to come from all over the place. A miracle started happening in the midst. People started running over the top of one another to finish the project. Oh, you're not hearing me. He, he shouts, grace, grace. He shouts, he shouts, favor, favor. And here somebody comes with resources. He shouts, favor, favor. And another one comes with tools. And another one's coming with permits. Come on, another one comes with building supplies. He shouts, grace, grace. And another one comes who has expertise in building. He shouts, favor, favor. And the carpenters come. Come on, the framers are coming. The roofers are coming. The masons are coming. Hear me today. I'm just here to tell somebody that God just doesn't have saving grace and justifying grace and teaching grace. There is enabling grace that can change your year, that can cause things to be finished in your life. Here's the question. What mountains are you facing today? Is there anything unfinished? Is there anything incomplete in your life? God can give you grace. God can give you favor for 2018, enabling power to finish the dream and to fulfill the promises of God in your life. I know I'm preaching, but I'm here to tell you this isn't a sermon. This is a life message. I know much about this life message because I moved here some 25 years ago on just a word. Go to the northwest side of Fresno and start a church. We didn't have nobody, just me and my wife. How do you start a church when you don't know anybody? You shout grace, grace, favor, favor, and all of a sudden... <laughs> I get a job and we get him saved and he starts coming to a Bible study and we meet this verse over there and this and all of a sudden we had people coming to our house. We set up some 25, 30 chairs and half of them were full and the empty ones. You know what we would do? We shout, grace, grace. It wasn't long until there was no more room in the house and it looked like some cult on Sunday because cars were parked everywhere. We got to get a building, but we got no money. Went and found a building. They told us how much, and we shouted, grace, grace. Come on, there's a power available. It's been a journey of 25 years. Never had what we needed to get the job done, but grace showed up. God's favor showed up, enabling us to get where we're at. And I'm just here to tell somebody today. What God has started in your life. Come on, if you'll set that stone out. In other words, get your focus on Jesus. Get your focus on the one that can complete. He who has begun a good work in you shall complete that work. What is it that you need to have completed in your life? A great marriage? A great home? Great finances? It's all yours. God says all these promises are yours. How do I get them to show up in my life? You get your eyes on Jesus. And then you begin to declare grace, grace, favor, 
favor. I'm here to tell you it's not a Sunday thing, but it's going to be a Monday thing. It's going to be a Tuesday thing. I'm here to tell you if you'll do this every day this year, you're going to wake up and find out that favor showed up in your life in 2018. Come on, somebody shout yes. How do you defeat your mountain of opposition? You shout grace, grace. You see, when you declare God's grace, well, I don't understand how that works. I just don't get it. That's the reason why we went over point number one. Not by might, not by power, by your wisdom, or by your smarts. Think about it. This is where your smarts have gotten you. And that's what happens in Zerubbabel 16 years in. His wisdom was not enough. God said, it's not going to be by your wisdom. It's not going to be by your power. It's going to be by my, by my spirit. Why would that change things? Why, why would that turn things around? You see, when you declare God's grace, what you're saying is you're saying, God, I can't fix this, but you can. Come on, some of you are in pain over your children. You're in pain over the decisions that your kids have been making. How do you fix that? You're not smart enough to fix it. They didn't come with a manual, but you can shout grace, grace. And what you're saying is, God, I can't fix this, but you can fix it. When you shout grace, grace, you're saying, God, I need you to do what I cannot do for myself. When you're shouting grace, grace, you're saying, God, I need your enabling favor upon my life. At all of our locations, I want you to stand to your feet. There in Madeira, Fresno, here in Clovis. Hear me today as I close this message. Don't you dare let your mountain of opposition stop you. Talk you out of your miracle. I know it's simple, but I dare you to shout grace, grace. I, I, I dare you to declare over your opposition the favor of God, then enabling favor of God. Come on, you've got to know that God has something available that can change 2018. You, you, need, to, you need to look at that opposition in your life and you need to shout grace, grace. You need to see that struggle in your life and you need to shout grace, grace over that weakness you need to declare grace grace over that sickness and that disease come on over that that report that you have cancer you need to start declaring grace i'm here to tell you something's going to happen something's going to start working it was when he shouted grace grace that god began to move on other people and they came running to finish the project when you start shouting grace grace god's enabling power begins to show up in your life doing for you what you cannot do for, your, for yourself. What are you going to do with your addiction? Come on, you've been trying to overcome that for a long time, haven't you? Come on, what are you going to do with those struggles, that pornography? Come on, what are you going to do with those issues? Spend another 16 years trying to overcome them. Or are you going to get the stone out, get your focus on Jesus and begin to shout, Grace! I'm preaching better than you're shouting today. Grace, grace, favor, favor over the debt, over the lack of finances. What are you going to do? Get three, four, five jobs, borrow until you can't borrow no more? Or are you going to step back and realize that grace can show up and make a way where there seems to be 
No way. Come on, somebody shout grace, grace. You look at that impossibility. You look at those regrets. You look at that brokenness and you shout grace, grace. This, this is your homework today. I don't know how to make it any more simple. When you go into the workplace tomorrow, instead of being upset and frustrated and miserable and complaining about your mountain, look to your mountain and just shout grace, grace. Instead of getting mad at your kids and frustrated with your kids, just, just shout grace, grace. Instead of getting you mad at your bank account, you just start saying grace. It's an everyday thing. We're going to release God's enabling favor. Come on, we're going to grow in the favor of God this year. All in favor of growing in God's favor, shout yes. What are you doing the challenges of that marriage? Grace. Grace. I guess this is what I, I've come to tell you. This year, <laughs> we need to be grace shouters. That's, that's the year I see that celebration becomes grace shouters. And whatever's needed to complete the project in our life, God's going to begin to move on it. And it's going to run over the top of one another to get the job finished. I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads right where you're at today. God, I believe I've obeyed you. I believe I've brought this truth from your word. God, I know for us that are really smart, we struggle with this kind of a message because it just doesn't make sense. But God, we're tired of our unfinished lives. And I pray, God, for a grace to hit this church, a favor to hit this church, that God, what you started in us, God, what you started through our hands, you will complete through our hands as we involve your grace into our lives. God, we acknowledge today at all of our campuses, we can't do this by ourselves. And God, we say, yes, we will begin again and we'll, we'll speak to our mountain. And what we'll speak is we'll speak the favor of God. We'll speak the grace of God. The, the enabling power of God to every situation. God, this is our year where we're going to give grace a chance. This is, this is the year, God, we're going to give your enabling favor a chance. God, we declare grace, grace over the struggle, over the pain, God, over the lack over the insufficiency, over the negative reports, over the opposition from the outside and the opposition from the inside, we shout grace, grace in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.